Today on Rogue Padre. Inside your think box, you can take Corin out of the Kirin. Sparring is just another word for foreplay. Better with Duracrete than vapor. 10 kilos of life in a five kilo box, a late night swim, and feeling not seeing. The same. This is Rogue Leader, all wings report in. Rogue Six, standing by. Rogue Seven, standing by. Rogue Three, standing by. Listeners, welcome to a brand new episode of Rogue Padron, aka I Padron, aka Dead Padron. Tonight we're going to be talking about chapter 7 through 13 of I Jedi. But before that, here's a quick reminder of your fabulous, lovely hosts. If Did he's you say lonely or lovely? Lovely. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. I was just wondering which one you said. I, I said lonely. I'm sorry. No, I said lovely. Now I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, listeners. I had a carafe of sake before. I started yes, queen. Is that an official unit of measurement? It is. A carafe. Oh, I thought you said a crap. <laughs> no, a carafe. Crap. Anyway, if he, Rogue 3, was a middle school lunch... He would be one of the rectangular pizzas that are not good, but seem better because at least it's pizza. (laughs) Yeah. The pizza theory. Look, it's hard to mess up pizza. (laughs) I mean, you can mess it up, but it still tastes pretty good. Yeah, even even like the worst pizza is still better than most things. Bad pizza is still good food. Yep. (laughs) I'm on this train. Choo-choo, let's go. (laughs) Danny. All aboard! (laughs) Danny, Rogue Six, would always frequent the salad bar that isn't that unpopular, but extremely loved by nerds who want a stack of pickles. Uh, I've actually seen kids, like, get half a plate of pickles from the salad bar. Uh, it's weird. Pickles? Middle schoolers are weird. This might... <laughs> yeah, Meg, this is a very, like, topical thing for you right now. This... It is. I work in a middle school now. That's is, why this... I is that what inspired this? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Also, like pickles it. are terrible, and I just need to put that out in the world. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's going to probably polarize more listeners than my strong opinions on yeah. corn horn. <laughs> so, this is Danny's last episode. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, are you pro-pickles? I, I'm not necessarily pro-pickles. I just think that's a very dangerous position uh, to associate ourselves with. <laughs> man. Keith, we made it through one listener introduction being unified this week. I'd say that's pretty good. <laughs> we, yeah, we, <laughs> this is a record, maybe. Maybe. Seth, Rogue Seven, would be the kid who dumps out a bag of cookies and candy on the table and either eats all of it or trades some to get things from other kids. <laughs> oh, I did so much trading in school. <laughs> yeah. My mom was obsessed with, like, health food. It was the worst. I was always the kid that, like, thought I was being super clever with my trades, but, like, everyone saw right through me, and so I never got any of the good stuff because my mom (laughs) would not put any candy in my lunch. Yeah, I feel you, Danny. I feel you. (sighs) And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, 
and that would be a well-balanced packed lunch from home that is actually more enjoyable than what's in the cafeteria, but inherently lame because it's in a brown paper sack. Yeah, that's what I always had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know why you like why I like you so much. <laughs> the, the lunch nostalgia. Yep. Anyway, speaking of, I have a question about Solo, a Star Wars story <laughs> featuring Han Solo. This is the, our last chance to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. I mean, we can also talk about it after we've seen the movie. <laughs> um, what's happening right now? Just keep going. Just keep going. David. Okay. It's uh, kind of something me. I know what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I have to edit. <laughs> Nine minutes. Danny gets off topic. Yep. Also, Sarah shows up with Culver's. Yes. Thank you. Nice. You just got a round of applause. Oh, Culver's auto corrected to Culvert. Danny, Danny, since you made fun of me from for saying it was fried chicken, what did you get from Culver's? I got a um, Reese's peanut butter cup oh. and cookie dough concrete got- mixer. <laughs> I got fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have been so, I would have been so mad. <laughs> that's why I didn't say off. that, and that's why I'm not turning my video on right now. You what? I said that's why I didn't say that, and also that's why I'm not turning my video on right now. You did get fried chicken. Oh my god, you bitch! <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm going to Col- I'm going to Culver's.com right now. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing what they have. If I was going to get wow, chicken from Culver's, I would have gotten their um, chicken fingers over their fried chicken. So, but I got ice chicken cream. fingers are fried. What are you talking about? <laughs> what fried chicken definitely means like, like there's a bone in there. No, it does not, Denny. Chicken. No, chicken no, no, no. Are no. a separate genre of chicken. No. No. <laughs> This fried chicken doesn't count because it's boneless. No. You know, I'm not going to edit this so that all our listeners can weigh in and tell us what the correct um, definition, whether whether chicken fingers fall into the category of fried chicken. Chicken fingers are literally fried chicken. I don't know, like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, just because they are chicken and fried does not mean that they are fried chicken. Yes, it does! <laughs> Facts matter! <laughs> if, you t- if you tell us anyone I'm eating fried chicken, is the first thing they're going to think of chicken fingers? No. It's no, drumsticks but... and wings and breasts oh. from Go KFC. On. <laughs> Go on. <Whoa. laughs> oh my god. Alright, well, anyway. good good solo talk, Danny, everyone. Danny is long <laughs> as usual. What else? What's it, what else is going on in the world? <laughs> are we talking about Solo? Do we have to? I mean, okay, so we all are like, keep forgetting that there's a new Star Wars tomorrow. Maybe that's a good thing. What do we What do we think about that? I'm going to be intoxicated. When this <laughs> I want to be, but I may be driving. Which, which is fine. It's fine if I get wasted tomorrow night, Thursday night, to see Solo, because I'm seeing it again on Sunday. So we're good. I will probably not be wasted at 10 a.m. Hey, I think I'm seeing it on Sunday, too. Oh, well. 
<laughs> that was a sincere wow. It was not. Obviously in America too. I was like, wait, exciting. are you two seeing it together? What like what's, what's the joke here? I I said this before we started recording, but I'm like not looking forward to watching this movie. I don't I I just I don't think I'm gonna like it. And it'll be the first time ever that I watch a Star Wars movie and I'm like, ugh, what was that? Um and maybe going in with that attitude means I will be pleasantly surprised, and I hope that's the case. But I'm not expecting to enjoy the fan service fest of Solo, Han Solo, a Star Wars Solo story. You're also going to be wasted, girl. Also that. <laughs> that's so weird, because fan service fest is how I've been referring to iJedi this past week. I mean, yes, also that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... Looking forward to it, but I'm not not looking forward to it. That like, makes sense. Yeah. I was excited and now I'm worried. It's a weird feeling. I don't like it. Are you worried about something in particular? Like their treatment I'm of a female about... droid perchance? Yep. Yeah, yeah, 100% it. I read some things and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> now I'm, I was so excited about L3 before, like, all of this. And then people are talking about it since. And I'm like, now suddenly... I forgot to be worried about this because it's Star Wars. Yeah. Saf, did you read Last yeah. Shot? I'm currently halfway through it, I okay. think. Are you loving it? I'm having mixed feelings on it. I am largely loving it, but I'm not super appreciating the modern language used in it. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's fair. It's written like a it's written like a fanfic in a weird way. Yeah, that's fair. But it, I'm enjoying it. Is the approach to droids' rights, like, tickling your droids' rights fancy, though? Or is it, like, not how you would have th- wanted to go about it in Star Wars? It's getting there, but there's some weird stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not sure I'm 100% with some of the characters' opinions on this, but uh, I do appreciate that there's actually, like, t- talk about droids and sentience in this book for once. Like, it's the first Star Wars book to talk about it, really, ever. I mean, I could be wrong, it's like a million EU books. But I have read, like, 150 of them, and none of them had this shit in it, so. Yeah, it's good. Cool. So, in conclusion, we're mostly just apathetic about the Last Shot spinoff movie coming into theaters tomorrow. Yep. Great. But maybe we'll be singing a different tune next week. Who knows? Maybe we'll all just be, like, rabid solo fan fans. Unless Peekput's in the movie, I really can't see that happening for me. <laughs> what if Peekput is in the movie, though? I will scream and then get thrown out of the theater. <laughs> oh, God. Good thing I'm seeing you again on Sunday. <laughs> yep, good thing I'm seeing you again on Sunday. <laughs> All right. Well, let's eye some Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> let's. <laughs> get out of the show notes. No. Okay. So apparently you can dye all of your hair for up to a year with some, oh my God, with some adjustable metabolizing (laughs) agent and a gel you can just slather on your body. But you have to be careful with timing and following the instructions or you end up like Corin, who is a lovely green ombre from head to toe. You know, I wish I was a green ombre. Yeah. People pay a lot of money for that. Yeah. I also don't forget the fact that, like, I'm a hairy man. So, like, it would only be my hair, really, that would be dyed. <laughs> I mean... Like, I wouldn't be, like, gentles and have, like, green hair sticking out from my toes. 
stop saying Jandalf. Okay, I feel I feel attacked I right never, now. I will never stop saying Jandalf. <laughs> this is my Kiwi legacy. I don't care. It's not okay. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Iella has to come help him with the promise of lunch, but she's a little mad that this was the first she heard of Merrick's disappearing. Corrin explains that he didn't want to put her, or more like himself, into a tough situation where they can't share information. Iella talks about some rumors she heard about the Invids. Apparently, Tavira likes to saunter around with a Vader-like henchman, at least in appearance, no confirmation of Force sensitivity. They talk about lunch, and... They decide not to go for a Thorian because it's probably vegetarian food. Uh. And they, <laughs> they decide to go to a Twi'lek place Noara recommended. And they weave through the city and they're pleased to find that most of the patrons are also Twi'leks. I can't blame them because they're totally right. I Thorians only eat vegetarian food and most of it is like tofu and I'm Super sorry. Vegan. But yeah. It's, I appreciate tofu their effort. Tofu was so but... good. How dare you? Tofu is great. You no, know, tofu is good, but it like. But it's not a steak. If you're going out to eat, like you want to go get like Twi'lek. Let's be real. Or like fried chicken from I Culver's. Want... <laughs> Culver's <laughs> doesn't sell fried chicken. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I will never ever forget this day. <laughs> That's fine. I stand by it. Corey, I, I admire you standing by your wrongness. <laughs> Corin is trying. (laughs) Meg is trying real hard to continue on this podcast. (laughs) But Rogue Padron Civil War is happening in the background. (laughs) Fair. I like Panera Padron better. (laughs) Who among us? (laughs) Corin is trying real hard to put Yella and Wedge together, but it's not really working. Neither of them has talked to the other and doesn't seem like they're going to make an effort anytime soon. Yellow thinks that with Wedge transitioning into his general role, he's relaxing into just being Wedge Antilles, not Wedge Antilles who's responsible for the lives of too many people and for the safety of the galaxy. Yellow is going to give him a space to figure out his she's. Corey remarks that if his dad didn't want him to, and, and if Mirax wasn't missing, he'd probably not go to the Jedi Academy. Yellow knows better. Corrin always has to be the best, proven that he's pre-training before he even gets to Jedi training. Luke and Wedge will be hard on him, but they won't be nearly as critical as Corrin will be on himself. Title of the sex tape. I was about to say I relate to that. I get it, 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 I get it. Luke takes action mainly from his heart, which Corrin can learn from because his brain slows him down and gums him up sometimes. It was good for Corsac, but Jedi training will be different. Corn asks Yella if she thinks that she he'd be able to sneak in and out of Corellia so he can talk to Grandpa Roasted Cornhorn about his decision to be a Jedi. Which, Corn, just make a decision on your own. It's fine. I actually relate to that aspect of him too, however. <laughs> We're oh, like, yeah. I'm facing a big life decision. I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to. I'm going to ask every person around me and hopefully one of them will just tell me what to do. I mean, Dad I already told like, what to do. I already had to like ask five people and have like my partner talk to me for like an hour to decide whether not to see Solo last night. So I kind of relate to that too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mick, we're all messes here, okay? <laughs> I mean, I hate Corin, but I am still a mess. I'm terrible at decision making. 
like because of a lifetime of like feeling like I need to impress others. That's that's very fair. Oh yeah, um, we are we are all the worst. Yeah, yeah. But, the decision, but still recognize that Corin is somehow still the worst <laughs> among us. I mean, I just don't get why he has to because his dad already told him to be Jedi. So, come on. Anyway. Yell says that he'd be able to get in easy enough, but he still has a murder warrant set for him. And with the way the relationship is between the New Republic and Corellia, a.k.a. not good, getting recognized and caught would be a big, big problem. She offers to try to set up a secure comm line between him and Rustic so they can talk without putting his life at risk. But the main, very important lesson from this chapter is that if you go to a Twi'lek restaurant, don't order the gourd. That's what tourists I, I loved all the detail about the Gorn't. So much Gorn. I hope that when Star Wars Land opens next year that they have Gorn't on the menu. Oh my god, that'd be so great. And it's just the like one thing. a nasty-ass hunk of meat with random bones sticking out of it. <laughs> I'd still eat it, probably. Oh yeah, of course. It's for the, the um, capital E experience. Yeah, and I'd be like, I need this protein power to keep going. I keep waiting in line for six hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oral, Luke, and Corrin arrive on Yavin 4. Corrin flies them in because he won't be going out on his X-Wing for a while. Whistler is staying back on Coruscant and going through the invids to run criminal profiles. Two recruits also came with them, Brachus and Cam Solusar. Brachus looks like a noble D-bag, and Cam is strong and weathered. <laughs> Another nine will join them to make the Jedi Academy's first class 12 students. Cam has trained as a Jedi Knight under his father, who was a Jedi Master. He was then corrupted by the Imperials and has since been healed by Luke and now follows him. Cam was real handsome in my head. Um, Brachus used his force powers to serve as a spy for the Imperials under the threat of them hurting his family. So everything's going to be fine with him. Yeah, the Luke, two of them make me nervous. But then again, mm, so does Corrin. So I'm kind of in my brain just assuming time. that all three of them are using fake names and that they're all there for totally fake reasons. Luke explains that they have a greater foundation of the Force, and that's why they're there early. They may do extra tasks like help the other students. They get to choose their quarters in the temple. Corrin starts being Corrin and needs structure and guidelines. And Luke is just like, time is subjective, man. Corrin backs down and asks if they are at least going to get up at dawn and do physical training. The answer is, you can do it if you want. Like... Corin just like straight up micromanaging how Luke is training them is the most Corin move here. <laughs> like the very first conversation he has once he arrives, it's like you're gonna do it like this, right? Well, you're gonna do this like this, right? Right? Nah, <laughs> nah, son. And Luke's like, no, we're gonna sleep in and wake up when the Force tells us to. <laughs> yes. I want to do that. <laughs> I'm going to do that tomorrow. Oh, anyway. sorry. Sorry, boss. The force did not tell me to wake up until 11. <laughs> here I am. They ask about combat training, which Luke did not originally plan for. But he will let Corrin and Cam set up a plan, and then he'll go over it to see if it's good. The three students go into the temple to find their rooms, and Corrin veers off close to the ground floor where the hangar used to be. He finds a small room with a cot and, and old equipment, getting a familiar feeling from him. Luke shows up, knowing he'd find Corrin there. He shows him the inscription on the wall, The Empire Us, There Is No Compromise. 
Big's Dark Lighter, Wedge and Tilly's Jack Porkins. Pause. I... <laughs> We're paused. I'm very confused by this inscription. Is Wedge dead here? No, this is the Battle of the First Death Star. Okay. Because so it, all... it read to me like... Like a memorial? Like, no, um, no, no. That was my first lighter, interpretation, rest in too. Peace. Yeah. Jack Porkins, rest in peace. Wedge and Tilly's. Wait, he's still alive. Maybe it means, no, no, like, no. the original Wedge. They, they signed their names under this inscription of the Empire of Us, There Is No Compromise. And then oh. they drew, like, a big heart, like, Love, Big Stark Lighter, Wedge and Tilly's, and Jack Porkins. Like, before they flew out to do Yes, that. yes. Okay. So there would always be, like, something of them there. All right, that makes more sense and is more emotional than my stupid thing. So yeah, you were wrong. Carry on. There's also okay. they also painted themselves with angel wings, and there's little chains going all around them with the word friends, 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 friends. friends. <laughs> That's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> I like That's a Harry Potter deep cut right there. <laughs> <laughs> And, and their their ghosts are there, and they're just <laughs> they're just they're just throwing tomatoes at everybody. And <laughs> Porkins is throwing a real big Death Day festival. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh! Okay, look some- that that begs the question though: <laughs> Are there ghosts in Star Wars that aren't Force ghosts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where? Okay, can I tell a side story? You can't see them. They're (laughs) ghosts. Absolutely, you can. (laughs) Okay, so, listeners, if you have not caught on by now, I have started a new job. I'm two and a half weeks in. Oh, no. Is your your school haunted? No, no, it's not, but there probably will be rumors about it. Um, Because, like, because I am now feeling more comfortable, I'm letting a lot of my weird things slip out. (laughs) Like, um, I was trying to put something up on a really high shelf with, like, one arm, and it was very heavy, and so, like, I kept meowing in distress, and, like, definitely a student walked in at that time, and I was just like, how can I help you? (laughs) Trying to play it cool, like, this is just what adults do. (laughs) Um, And then I was pushing a cart through the hallway, and, like, a thing fell off of it, and it was right next to a teacher, and they were like, oh, I'm sorry, did I knock that over? And I just, oh, no, it was just ghosts, and then just kept walking. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm kind of worried that, like, next year there might be rumors with the kids that there are ghosts in the school. What's wrong with that? Because, like, what have you done? I blame a lot of things on ghosts, and I talk about it very often. Good. Good. I like that as an excuse. Good. So next time I like trip over nothing, I'm gonna yeah. say it was a ghost. Oh my god! Uh, a, ghost. a ghost. A ghost broke my knee. Yeah. Definitely wasn't just me falling over. No, it was a it ghost. Was a- oh my gosh. <laughs> next time you mess something up at work, be like, oh my god, a ghost must have gotten to- into that Excel document and right? just oh, switched around those columns and ran okay, that weird you V lookup. Excel document, <laughs> so I swear to God. <laughs> I just thought Super of, haunted. That, of v, that V lookup was definitely a ghost fault. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have to do V lookups at work. Incredibly niche humor right here. <laughs> I just thought of a very hilarious joke. Just tell it. Tell it. Why 
did we leave our showing of Solo, A Star Wars Story, early? A ghost! It was a ghost! <laughs> because the theater was haunted! Oh, no. Danny, Danny, schedule that tweet for like 8 o'clock tomorrow night. <laughs> okay, hang on. Like, while, How while you do are still I schedule in a solo. tweet? Are you scheduling? Oh, <laughs> Look, we um, can't all have your power and mastery of social media, Heath. What an what an old. <laughs> Some of us accidentally focused all our professional development as young children on birds. Birds. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use tweet deck, Dan? I uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get it figured out. <laughs> you want? Do you want me to just walk you through? It's like. Five seconds. I could just tell you how to do it. Oh my it god, Heath, now I have to edit. <laughs> okay. Fine. <laughs> no, leave no, leave all of that in. It's fine. <laughs> how to edit. Um, what do I do? <laughs> how to edit. <laughs> We've never done that. <laughs> anyway, Danny, do you, do you want me to just DM you how to schedule a tweet? And no, I, I, I actually know how. I was just joking earlier. Okay. I've done it before. Was, do you remember that, that time I went on vacation and I just tweeted out uh, stock photos for the entire week? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was, Those were all the scheduled tweets. <laughs> okay. That was a very extended joke by Danny. Well <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You really, really played the part there. That's that's what I'm known for, my commitment to the bit. <laughs> anyway. What Luke. were we even talking about? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Ghost. Um, Luke makes nope. it a point to show that even more so than what he did to the Death Star, what they're doing now will change the life of billions. It's just that it's important, even more difficult, than blowing up a space station. He reminds Corin not to be so suspicious, but to feel and to learn from the struggles that Cam and Brackus have had with the dark side. Corin will be challenged too, and with their help, he may be better prepared to overcome it. Within a week, the rest of the recruits show up at the temple. They've had some lectures and trainings together, but overall they take a more individual approach to their Jedi training. Corin misses the forced camaraderie of more rigid institutions, but understands why Jedis are different. He still decides because that's get the up only and... way he knows how to make friends. Is when Correct. people are forced, force. forced to hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> he still decides to get up at dawn and do some physical training. Oh, While he's up, such a bro. Let it go, oh Corin. Listen, I used to be at the gym at 5 a.m. like every morning, so I get it. Remember that time we did like a morning workout that celebration? That was amazing. It was, but Lord, how did I do that? You were younger then. That's true. I was a whole two years younger. Yeah. While up, he gets to see what he ends up calling plasma storms, and he invites some of the other trainees to watch and notices that one in particular, Gantorus, is not a fan of Corin. He's not a fan Taurus. <sighs> fan Taurus is the type of person <laughs> who seems to be. Just, yeah, just, just ignore it. Probably for the best. <laughs> 
He thinks Corrin is just doing his extra physical training to suck up to Master Skywalker. I mean, probably. (laughs) In reality, it's much more stupid, and he just doesn't (laughs) want to admit to himself that being shredded has done nothing to do, like, nothing good to (laughs) the force. Meg. I'm so drunk. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, let me try that again. He just doesn't want to admit that being shredded has nothing to do with the ability to use the force. There you go. There, there we you go. go. I, it's even written right in front of me. You could not read it properly. <laughs> Proud of you, Mom. Thanks, son. On his runs, Corrin discovers things about Yavin 4, like how everything basically wants to hurt you. The trees, the animals, which, would anybody like to talk about the animals? Yes, Danny would. Danny, talk about the animals. <laughs> Remember that time Meg said on his runs? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one who... <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> what? Corn had, Corn had the runs. Corn had his runs. Well, he was... Children. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say about the animals. Okay, great. Easier for us. Is that really all you wanted to say about the animals? It's not fair to assume they want to hurt you. Okay. <laughs> and probably even the glowy blue crystal hidden in a smaller temple is going to end up murderizing them. But Corn will continue to run because it's the only thing he has that's his own. I mean, fair point on the glowy blue crystal hidden in a smaller temple. Yeah, don't trust those. When has a glowy blue crystal hidden in a smaller temple ever led to good things? Never. Cam and Corrin make their combat training plan, and with a little modification from Luke... Nope, that's not what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> modifications from Luke. Period. <laughs> oh, I love this episode of Rogue Potter. <laughs> Luke insists that he wants them to use the Force to feel their opponent's moves and what their actions do to them. They move on to lightsaber practices, but with stick sabers. And although Corrin can feel the Force, he doesn't trust it enough to use it over his actual combat training. Also important side note, so one trainee they mention quite a bit and we'll we'll continue to learn about is Tiani, which is, that's how I pronounce it. Go to hell if you pronounce it some other different way. I don't care. Um, And she's a Jedi trainee who's a songstress and a historian. And... I'm really surprised that of all people, Stagpole did not describe her as slender, because in all images and other books, she's definitely described as such. Anyway, she's good. I like her. Corrin and Fantora spar, and Corrin Oh, sorry. Um, I, I wanted to say that I like Tion, too. Yeah, she's good. I like her a yeah. lot. I, yeah, didn't like, is, I didn't like the Tion. part where Corrin's... Actually, I'm going to look it up. You say your thing, Heath. Tion is great. Okay, good. Good contribution there. Um, I didn't like the part where Corin said, um, she certainly was beautiful and decidedly attractive, though her coloration set her outside what I'd previously seen as my type. She's pale. She has pale hair. That's what he means. Oh my god, Corin. Like, she has frosty colored hair. It still sounded racist, that's all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's because she's super white, and I'm like, that's weird. And not like... Not like mildly tan with dark hair. Right. Like was was Erisy not super white? Because I totally pictured Erisy being. She was, super but she white. had dark hair. Okay, so super mm-hmm. white with light hair. Wait, she had dark hair. I thought she was yeah. blonde for some reason. Nah. Uh-huh. 
No, oh, I don't think stereotype blondes is evil, say, I guess. Because stereotypes. Corn <laughs> <laughs> and Gantora spar, and Corn underestimates him, leaving him with a good whack in the shin. All of his self-confidence instantly crumbles, and he can only think about how he's failed his friends. They're not your friends, Corn, And how he's such a loser and will never be a Jedi hero. <laughs> It's at this point that the Force comes to him and he actually listens to it and knows what Gantoris' next move will be and is able to dodge it with some leg tangles and a spank on the butt. Korn realizes that he can't control how the Force will work through him, only how receptive he is to work with it. Gantoris wants to go again and Korn throws his sword away and wants to wrestle. Gantoris says he won't strike at an unarmed opponent and Luke floats the sword back to Corrin, insisting that Corrin has another lesson to learn. I know Corrin makes this comparison later on, but like at this point I was just like, I just wish that Gantoris was bro Jace. I know. Because <laughs> he's basically the same person, just force sensitive. He bro. They spar again, and they go for a while, this time with Corrin opening himself up to the force. He realizes that... When he successfully evades too many times and gets cocky, the Force leaves him and he gets hit. He has to keep his cool and eventually he goes for a full minute without feeling anything except the breeze of Gantoris' sword as it misses him. Oh, freezing. <laughs> his sword is a dick. Anyway, um, <laughs> they give up, both tired. Uh-huh. And get- <laughs> And Gentorus warns him that evading won't work when he's fighting against a real lightsaber. Korn says he doesn't plan on facing too many foes who have them. Luke comes over to sit with them and explains that by the time they may meet someone in a situation like that, they'll have many other tools and knowledge of the Force to help them. And I really want to know if Luke is using words like infancy on purpose to remind Korn of his baby problems. Probably. Yeah, just slipping that in there. <laughs> Mirax is actually just like hanging out down in the basement and like paying Luke to make this whole thing up. Oh my god. What a bitch. Luke, not Mirax. Yeah, right, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That Luke would accept this ploy and this money for this situation. Luke just really likes babies. He does. He's like, Leia has two. I need more. More babies. Of course he does. Luke would definitely be, like, baby crazy. Well, yeah. Where else is he going to get his sustenance? Oh, that's weird. <laughs> oh, wow. Danny took it to a weird, weird, weird place. I didn't make the hashtag. Let it be known. Chris Evans made the hashtag. Anyway. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I will not stand Where's the lie, hey? <laughs> I will not accept this slander. Corn successfully. We all we all make mistakes. <laughs> hits a plateau with basically that. Although he isn't picking up any new gifts or talents, he is still enjoying his Jedi training, especially when he gets to see newbies like Tiani or Strain or Kirana T, who is a witch of Dathomir, experiencing this type of training for the first time. Luke gathers them up. I was really, really sad that the Witch of Dathomir wasn't um, millennial 
Excuse me? What's her name? Millennial? Tenniel DeJoe. Oh, yeah, Tenniel DeJoe. I was really sad that it was... Mother of Hapes? Yeah, yeah, that's Millennial DeJoe. She's busy. She's too busy, like, ruling the Hapes cluster. Yeah, that's 69 planets by now. It's a lot of work. Nice, nice. They added one more planet just to make it a good even number. Nice. (laughs) I know. I was just so excited for 69 is the most even number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you're giving and receiving. Yeah, it's, 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 super, it's true equality right there. We've solved it. Uh. <laughs> oh, God. Party makes a menace. Um. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, God. How to edit out an Are entire you? person on it. <laughs> <laughs> Danny. Danny, no. Why do you think I'm talking about you? <laughs> Who else would it be? Me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess. Always Heath. <laughs> anyway, Luke gathers them up and wants to do a two-part exercise about controlling your senses. He's taught them how to shunt aside pain, but there are also circumstances why you'd want to turn off your other senses. Luke is trying to teach the certain point of view lesson. He talks about Darth Vader, how he was terrible right hand to Papa Palpatine, but there was good inside him still. It was that good that allowed him to kill the Emperor. Luke was just a tool to bring about Vader's redemption. He goes on to say that love is a powerful weapon against the dark side, and it was Leia's love that brought him back, which, see the Dark Empire comics, and the love between father and son that it was able to bring Vader back. Speaking of callbacks to like terrible books that came before, I could not, I was really surprised that they like acknowledged Luke's fall to the dark side as like a real thing. It was a comic series. I know, I just didn't, I, I thought that as soon as it happened, everyone in Star Wars was no, like, no, no. let's it, just pretend that didn't happen. In like all of the EU books after this. Wow, who knew? Okay, so it's just now in 2018 that all Star Wars fans are like, let's just pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Uh, Let's see. Corn Horn, a former high-ranking detective, is shook by this information. But really, he just ends up feeling bad for Luke that he didn't get to have the same great dad experience that he had. Uh Of course, he... (laughs) Make it all about you, Corn. That is not empathy. Uh Empathy is when you don't make it about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Of course... He wants to know all about it, but he at least has a good sense to not ask. This, this, I mean, this was Pete Corrin right here, right? Right. Like, Luke sharing this deep, dark secret about his dad that's, like, really a big deal. And Corrin being like, oh, that sucks. That reminds me of my dad. <laughs> my dad was great. <laughs> <laughs> Who, by the way, wasn't a terrible person. So, one part, like, one line that I actually really liked about Corrin thinking about Luke was... At the moment of his greatest victory, he lost the goal he sought, um, which I think is still very true for Luke in the sequel trilogy and something that I think carries over in Luke's personality that like, even when he thinks he's accomplishing these really, even when he is accomplishing these really great things, he gets the one thing that I think he really wants still eludes him and he can be very hard on himself because of it. Luke. Anyway, enough seriousness. Luke explains that he shared the story not just to give Corrin an example of a certain point of view, 
but also because that's the last and most closely guarded secret of Luke's. He hopes that now that they can build the trust of him truly being their master and teacher. For the exercise, they have to pair up, make one of their forearms numb, and then their partner will try to touch that forearm with a small rock. They're supposed to tap the partner when they can sense the rock is close, but not touching. The goal is to have the rock as close as possible, but not actually hit them. This was the moment when I realized that, like, day-to-day Jedi lessons at the Academy probably wouldn't make great material for a movie or TV show. Yeah, correct. Here's 42 minutes of them trying to touch each other with rocks. <laughs> right. It's good. Corn partners with Tiani, and they actually get the hang of it pretty quick, thanks to some force tendrils. It turns more into a game, and Corrin has to stop himself from using his newfound abilities to force Tendril Tiani's face. Yep. <laughs> he likes her a lot, but he also considers her to be a danger, which may be a Thrawn-level danger? Who knows? Only time will tell. Yeah. He does admit that he's not romantically or sexually interested in her. Uh-huh. And he knows that she is not feeling that for him either. Uh-huh. But he knows that he would find comfort in her, whatever that means. Uh-huh. And he doesn't want to let himself be vulnerable. Well, obviously. <laughs> it was always his history to keep a thick wall around his heart. And while he knows he needs to deal with it, he's not ready for that. Luke moves them on to the next exercise, which is to place their stone in the palm of their partner's hand and move it. As soon as Corrin lets go of the stone, he loses all sense of it. He can feel the connection of everything else between him and Tiani but just avoid where the pebble is. It's made worse when he feels Tiani's stone jump in his hand and then opens his eyes to see other students doing even grander things with their rocks. Luke reminds Coram that he needs to stop thinking and just feel, but he can't do it because he doesn't believe in it. Gantoris chirps that it's because Corin believes in failure and so he'll always keep failing. Oh, that feels like I'm being called out right now. Oh no. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Mostly. Zach, you're not a failure. No, but I believe in fa- No, I don't. I mean, failure's a real thing that is real. It isn't quite scary, Mick. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that, like... Ugh, anyway. You're, <laughs> you're great, and you're perfect, and you're gonna be amazing. Don't worry about it. Luke doesn't really like how, this. How we managed to go back and forth between 69 Podron and Therapy Podron is just amazing. <laughs> We're very well it, it's it's the work life balance that everyone should strive for <laughs> in their life, honestly. <laughs> Luke doesn't like this showboating and takes the stone skin towards his levitating away and makes them dance and spark in the air. He reminds them that there's only one never ending cycle, and that's life. And life creates the force. Everyone will experience growth and setbacks, secessions and failures, and they will do it on their own path. Kentoris adamantly remarks that he will not fail, and Corrin has heard a line like that before and knows the trouble that usually comes with it. He's worried about what kind of tragedy will happen hearing it come from a Jedi-to-be. Corrin is so thirsty for Gantoris. Yeah. Corrin is pondering Luke's instruction to feel the Force. He realizes that he's only been able to use the amount of Force that he as an individual creates and use it passively. In order to do more, like move a stone, he has to tap into force that is outside of himself, but that requires belief. Corrin doesn't think he can let go of his doubts and prejudices to do that. He knows he has to, but he believes that when 
but he believes that those things is what makes him Corin. He looks around the room and knows that everyone in there had done exactly that, given up everything they were for something else, Biggs and Porkins to the Death Star run, Wedge the Rebellion, and Luke to rebuilding the very thing his father destroyed. So much more was asked of them, and they did it in a heartbeat. Corrin escapes his room and heads up to the roof of the temple. He finds Streen already out there, needing some alone time after all the group work. Streen was a gas miner on Bespin, which was a way for him to get away from hearing the thoughts and feeling the moods of others around him. Luke's training has also helped him learn how to consciously shut those out. Streen remarks that Corrin does his best to close himself off, but little bits of him pour out. It's obvious he doesn't like Gentorus, but Streen clarifies that he already knows that's, that Gentorus actually already knows how to manipulate matter through the Force. And Corrin wonders if Luke is trolling him on purpose, which the answer is yes. Always yes. Always yes. Corrin asks Strain what the Force is like. He says it tickles a bit, feels like a first kiss, or the jolt you feel when the flux in Sabak makes your hand better than what you were already betting. That which, really clarifies things. Yeah, I totally know what that feels like. Strain asks Corrin about his fabricated past. The pride he has doesn't match up with the story he tells everybody. He must have done something to feel like that. Corn evades pretty well, saying that he had done a lot of things in his life that he's very proud of, but right now it doesn't matter because none of those things will help him master Jedi skills. They continue pushing with their training. Corn cannot do it whatsoever, although he is improving at tapping into the force within him. He knows that something has got to give, to force him, haha, to do it. The chance comes when Luke gathers all the trainings around a big rock that might be buried deep in the ground and explains that although size matters not, it doesn't mean the task won't be difficult. He asks for volunteers and while Gentorus steps up, Corrin is like, nah brah, I got this. Using the pressure of having his peers watching, Corrin starts by using the force to feel everyone around him. Like Luke did when he probed Corrin's mind, he starts following the tendrils to push past his barriers, and the first taste of the outside force is exactly as Streen described. It was what I felt when Mirax first said she loved me. It was the scent of the perfume my mother wore, and the warm laugh my father used to have when he was proud of me. My God, Corrin. It was the hearty slap on the back from Wedge after a mission, and even a touch of Whistler's triumphant serenades. It was everything that was good and right and positive and alive. I'm really glad they included Whistler in that description. Because Whistler like, is his best friend. And if they did not include him, it would be a shame. Imagine, yeah, not including the droid. Right? So rude. Sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what I'm here for. I know. <laughs> Corn moves the rock and keeps it moving high above the heads of his peers. So that when he opens his eyes, he'd be able to look across and meet Luke's. When it's finally two meters in the air and hovering, Corrin looks and sees the rock still in the ground. He doesn't remember it crashing to back down to earth, and he's so confused because he knows the rock has flown. When he looks around the circle, he notices everyone else staring up at the air where he knew the rock was. Luke waves a hand over his eyes and glances up in the air before looking down to where the rock actually lay. He then waves his hand around toward the other trainees, and they all blink and rub their eyes. Gantoris is the first to attack Corrin, but Luke insists that all that was happened, all that happened was that Corrin felt the force, and everyone should be happy their classmate has made progress on their journey. So just to recap, uh-huh. Corrin and his classmates were trying to move little pebbles 
Corin Corin failed to move his little pebble. So Corin then went to a big boulder and tried to move his big boulder um, to compensate for the fact that he couldn't move his little pebbles. And uh-huh. and Corin failed to move his big boulder. And all his classmates are patting him on the back and saying, "You tried really hard, and that's what counts." Uh huh. Okay. God, I wish my school was as like understanding as Jedi school. We now have grades there. Yeah. You get, you get like a crocodile and a smiley face. Anyway, so Luke is waiting for Corn in his room after he comes back from his morning jog. He shows him a holocron protected by the Jedi Bodo Boss. And he has Bodo Boss explain Alter Mind to Corin, which I can't really summarize because it doesn't make any sense. Um, so does somebody want to read it? No one has their book out of it. Um... I just want to talk about how great a name Bodo Boss is. Jedi Master Bodo Boss is amazing, and I really like him. Anyway, I'll do it. Jedi skills in the Force, this part? Yeah. Jedi skills in the Force are rooted... Well, Bodo Boss probably didn't sound like that. Jedi skills in the Force are rooted in three areas. Control is internal. It is the Jedi's ability to recognize the Force in himself and to use it to his benefit. Sense involves the next step in which the Jedi recognizes the Force in the universe outside of herself. Here, she feels the Force and is able to draw upon it for information about the world around her. Through it, she is connected to the rest of the universe. Alter is the third and most difficult area to master, for it involves the student's ability to modify the Force and redistribute its energies. Through these skills, the Jedi can influence the universe, making changes as needed to accomplish its goals. I'm sorry, I was I was asleep. What happened? Oh my god, Heath. <laughs> Were you actually asleep? No, that was just so boring. <laughs> oh, it's I a holocron! It. Holocrons are the worst. Holocrons are not known for being, like, Friday evening entertainment. No. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi's holocron, was that a holocron when he warned everybody to not come back to the temple? Was that a holocron? No, that was a warning yeah. message. But it was saved on a holocron. It was a yes, it was. Yes, and in rebels, at least it wasn't they opened, rebels. They opened it on a holocron, right? Yeah. Okay. How that did was a good, how did Bail Organa see it if it was a holocron? No, it well, was ori- it was originally it, not holocron, but then holocron. someone saved it to a like. It was like if I tweeted something right now, and then like down the line, someone was like, "I'm gonna save this tweet to my archive." Wait, how would you do that? Okay, let's not talk about that anymore. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And if you record a person onto a holocron, surely you can record a recording of a person. In general, if if basically if you are if you are recording something and your first move is to save it to a holocron, it's probably boring. (laughs) That's a good moral here. If it gets saved to a holocron later, might not be boring. Probably still boring though. But if it's saved originally to a holocron, no one wants to hear that. Photoboss goes on to. Alter mind is basically is when you let someone, you force someone to see what you want them to see or to understand what you want them to understand. It's a bigger, like the Jedi mind trick is under this umbrella, but can also be much more than that, as demonstrated by Corin, putting the image in everybody's mind that he did lift that rock. Luke thinks that is is not a, a Jedi power that I want people to have but also like i feel kind of safe with corin having it because i feel like corin will use it to to make everyone think that his biceps are slightly larger than they actually are 
he could just do push-ups. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Jedi Master Bodoboss does warn that, like, this can be a tricky skill um, because it is very powerful and it is, like, messing with people's perception and consciousness that it can be misused pretty easily. Luke thinks that Corrin's aptitude is in this area, but he does want him to use it wisely, and he should pair up with a partner and learn to use the skill to do trivial things like color change. Also a good 42-minute TV show. Luke warns Corrin about his rivalry with Gantoris. Corrin says it's not a rivalry, he just doesn't like him. But he feels more about him like he did about Bro Jace, which... Please remember, they did in fact have a rivalry. They had a bet about how many kills each of them could get. That is a literal rivalry. <laughs> Luke explains that Gantoris has had a lot of struggles, and that although his people have been saved, and he's been absolved of his responsibility to manage their survival, he doesn't know what to do with his newfound freedom. He sees Corrin working even more diligently, and keeps comparing himself to him, which, sweetie, don't. <laughs> Corrin says that he'll do what he can to bridge the gap with Gantoris, but he has to be willing, too. The problem is, Corrin can't really use his power in practice. He's able to change some colors once or twice, but overall, he can't do it unless the pressure is on. He attributes this to his Corsair training, where it was drilled into him that he shouldn't pull a blaster unless he's prepared to use it to kill. So he always holds himself back unless he has to. But he's still making progress despite... Luke's still learning how to teach. One night, Luke guides all of his trainees, super creepy, down into a tunnel beneath the Jedi Temple. They think they reach the end, but Luke opens the door to reveal more and leads them to a glowing mineral hot spring. Okay, this is the part of the book where like, it went from being like, oh, this is pretty much what I would expect a Legends book about Luke training corn to be like, to just going completely and totally off the rails. It's fine. They just all disrobe and get into this hot spring underneath the temple. Right? That's fine. So normal. So <laughs> regular. It's yeah. the part where they Luke literally let them get into a, a pool full of like scalding hot water in an attempt to prove to them that they have to save each other's lives, I think? Yep. It was allow so, them to see the galaxy. Like so there was no contingency plan here. And Luke is absolutely a sane human being. Listen, they're not children. Uh, I mean, have There's... you met have you met Corin? Yeah, but he's thinking about having yeah. a baby. Let's be real. They're not literally children. <laughs> yeah, it just means but... he's like, he, he can just tell Luke to F off and then, like, not get in the pool. It's easy. Yeah, but Luke probably reminds him of his dad, so he'll chicken out and not see oh him. Okay. Okay, Heath. Look, I'm Luke. just being an accurate read of a character. <laughs> they all strip down and get in in the darkness, and they can leave their dumb bodies behind and connect to the greater part of the Force. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who among us would not like to? <laughs> Corian latches onto Luke's thoughts and feels Mirax out in space, in danger. But the feeling is ripped away from him quickly. He then senses the immediate and present danger bubbling up from the Earth's core, from the Yavin Force core. 
Luke instructs the students to let the force flow through them and then they won't get hurt, which is a really vague instruction. Yeah, not helpful. <laughs> this isn't exactly true, and Tiani has a problem trying to get out of the pool. Corin can feel her panic and her certainty that she will die. But Luke's uh, like, it's a good lesson. You know what? I have felt that feeling. It is not a good feeling. If Luke did that to me, I would kill him. Tell me you teach lessons. <laughs> um... Don't traumatize your students, buddy. Corin then uses his body to channel the heat bubble into himself and then uses the energy he absorbs to move Tiani to safely. Luke comes to Corin afterward and they talk about what happened. He warns Corin that this is another high-level force technique, one that Darth Vader happened to have. Corin did the right thing in this instance, but next time it's best not to use that power to do hasty things. I just... Um, Luke... You literally put them in a life and death situation. Corrin should have done literally whatever it took to save the woman's life who you put into a scalding hot pool of chemicals. Fine. I've been into a scalding hot pool of chemicals and it was great. Uh, what? It was carved into the mountainside. It was that is the best stuff. It was beautiful. It was dawn. Um, oh my god. Okay. I, was, with I a- was not expecting this to become scalding chemicals padron but <laughs> what <laughs> you gotta say yes and a hot spring hey okay okay like a natural hot spring have you ever been in a natural hot spring before carved into the side of a mountain no but it sounds like i should was it yeah. going to literally burn your skin off of your body oh absolutely it was hot yeah i've been in a couple like that i don't want that it's a That's good a- feel bro is it? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> well, on their way back up the path to their rooms, Corn worries that there may be another disaster lurking that will tear apart their group. Yeah, besides their homicidal instructor. Yeah, it's fine. He's not homicidal, he's just apathetic. Luke Skywalker put them in a pool where they were guaranteed to die and didn't do anything about it and let them figure it out themselves. Wait, wait, wait. Can we... I think we have to talk about what Meg just said. (laughs) He's not homicidal. He's just empathetic. As if they're synonyms. (laughs) Look, you mistook me for someone who would commit a murder, but... I just really get other people. <laughs> it's just, they often get confused. I understand the confusion but here. But. I just, he just doesn't care. <laughs> He'll find new trainees. It's fine. <laughs> he's not, I'm sorry, he's just empathetic. What? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I love it. That's all I can say is I love it. I love all of you. Corrin starts out on his morning run pretty late. He had a fitful sleep of nightmares about being unable to help Mirax, which also included some cool hand-rotting imagery. As he finally circles back toward the temple, he hears the sound of lightsabers. It's Gantoris challenging Luke. It's a heated battle, but Luke ends up de-escalating the situation by taking Gantoris' lightsaber after he is distracted by a scared animal. To everyone's surprise, he hands the lightsaber back to Gantoris. You put it like that, it sounds way less like... <laughs> way less what happened, okay? This is what happened. <laughs> TLDR. 
<laughs> That's exactly what happened. All of this is factual. All of it. It's it's non. This is now a non-fiction <laughs> text. <laughs> to everyone's surprise, he hands a lightsaber back to Gantoris and urges him to meditate on what just happened. He dismisses everyone else that is that he started training because he started training too early that morning. Yeah, after everyone almost died yesterday. Not even yesterday, in the middle of that night. Right, like two very large warning signs now in the last 24 hours, and Corin just kind of like, eh. I mean, Corin is probably the person who least cares about these things. Yep. I mean, in the way that, like, he's like, oh, this training might kill me. I, like, he's down. He's down for that. Corin stays and is unsure why Luke is not pissed. Kintoris attacked him. He needs discipline and punishment. But Luke says he can't treat him like a child and that Gantoris already feels bad enough. <sighs> Tell us how you really feel. Just, listen. Justice <laughs> systems are all going to be inherently flawed and do not work equally against all people who are under them. However, woke Padron. Someone feeling bad they did something does not mean that they will learn the lesson from it without guidance. And Luke is not providing guidance. He says, go meditate on it. But what does that mean? Right? And in this case, which is a very disturbing thing that they find out later, is that um, there's someone else that he's been communicating with on this planet. Why are you letting him go by himself? It's a bad move. You know, Luke's you a don't, big dummy. Right. Like, this is not the time in which you let people be more independent. This is when they need closer guidance. Anyway, that's money. Talk about that. So when Luke had asked how Gantoris had constructed his own lightsaber, his answer was that Luke wasn't the only one here who knows the ways of the Force. And he's not talking about the other trainees or about Master Jedi Bodobas in the holocron. So who is he talking about? Mirax. He's talking about Mirax. Does she know the ways? Whoa, Danny, that does go back to your like secret Jedi theory. Right? It all is coming together. Oh my gosh, amazing. That's the end. That's the end of this chapter for this week. <laughs> good. Good times. Very good times. Should we do some listener questions? Listener questions! Let's do it. Last week we asked you, how would corn describe you? Make sure to mention your eyes. And we need to still answer this question. And Danny, it looks like your answer is already... <laughs> Filled in here in the show notes. Yeah, it's so funny it how there's pictures of Culver's menu with with chicken tenders and buffalo chicken tenders and a crispy chicken Dan- sandwich, but it doesn't say the word fried chicken anywhere on okay, there. Okay, but but, but Danny, how interesting is that? Danny, I have a question for you. Would you say that chicken is grilled or boiled? I would or? say that that chicken is fried. I would oh, not, however, say that it is. You? I would not, however, oh. say that it is fried chicken. Well, then you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
getting real personal. Oh, my friend. Anyway, go ahead, Danny. Um, if Corn were going to describe me, he would say, I didn't notice him there. <laughs> Is that all? Danny, you're stealing my one! <laughs> okay, you cheated because there's nothing but your eyes. He didn't notice my eyes. <laughs> you, no, that's cheating. <laughs> we'll let it slide. Meg, yeah. um, you also have an answer here in the show notes. No, that was a tweet at you guys letting you know my status. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was going to be five minutes late to recording. Go ahead, then. Fine. Um, or, are we just going to let Danny get away with this not describing the eyes thing? Yeah, okay, fine. Corn would have okay. said, here's what Corn would have said. I didn't notice him standing there. He had eyes. <laughs> or not even his eyes. That works better. Okay. Heath, next time I'll just have you answer for me. <laughs> All right, Meg. Okay. Corin would be like, she's definitely not slender, but I can't help but stare because all she does is just keep winking. <laughs> with her eyes. With with my with her eyes. Yes. God, you all are really working around this eyes thing. <laughs> I really don't want my own eye colors, okay? Go ahead, go ahead Zeph. All right. Um, Corn would probably say something like, I heard a sound, a squeak, like an Ewok. But when I looked around, I only saw a very short human with eyes that just would not meet mine. For some reason, she seemed very angry. Good. Good. For some reason. Thank you for because talking. He's there. I just want to thank Zeph for talking about her eyes as the question <laughs> specified. Oh my god, he—you didn't even write the question. No, look, this is for someone who doesn't take anything seriously in this entire podcast. Heath is extremely literal about the listener questions. The the it's the former teacher in me who just like cannot accept a wrong answer and <laughs> like anything. Like I know you, I know you heard what I asked. So <laughs> answer anyway. My answer. <clears throat> Chestnut oily hair hangs over a long, tense face. Glinting green eyes set far within their sockets watch vigorously over the deserts they've disassociated with for so long. Freckles are spread seductively around his nose and cheekbones and leaves a delightful memory of his past. What? (laughs) You don't have set far within their socket eyes. Did you just describe a zombie? Maybe. A desert zombie? Are you calling me a zombie? No, I don't think that this describes you at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, Corin, an idiot, so. Yeah, Corin is not very observant sometimes. Um, on to the real listener responses, though. Um, Culver's tweeted us and said, We, have, we, serve, we serve fried chicken. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> that, 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 that's all they said. They didn't. Never. Never get into an argument with Heath, no matter how stupid it is. They didn't give any other context or anything. <laughs> and just very, very confused. But I guess that argument is now settled. Um, <laughs> Claire, which comes before Culver's in alphabetical order, but I swapped it out. Um <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't do these in alphabetical order. I was going to say, because Ben Warman is next on the list. So. That, that was like a really unnecessary <laughs> thing for me to say. I was about to say, 
Please, but B comes after C, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Claire, which just comes naturally after Culver's, said, wasp-waisted, definitely not, but her eyes remind me of Murex, or maybe my dad, which brought back memories of the night he died. So accurate. Ben Warman said, he looked like a kid's drawing, a square, broad shoulder body with an egg-shaped head with ruddy cheeks and brown hair. But his eyes were a charming, people-pleasing brown that seemed to smile as he smiled. He's amazing. That's really nice. I love, yeah, it, <laughs> the way the word, the way people-pleasing brown r- rolls off the tongue, it feels good. It feels good to say. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Justin the Tired Jedi maybe should go to bed, but also said, not slender, but stocky with eyes the color of mud. Which is another way of saying people-pleasing brown. <laughs> a less, less romantic brown. way. A less people-pleasing potatoes, way. Potatoes, potatoes. <laughs> you know. Potatoes, tomatoes. Brian Larson said, In my eyes, Corrin sees the light, the heat. He is, in, he is complete. He sees the doorway to a thousand churches. That's a lot of churches. The resolution... <laughs> To all the fruitless searches. Meg, do you need to explain this reference to us? Isn't the song here? It's a song. In what? my eyes, the light, the heat. He is complete. I don't actually know how the tune goes. I was like, oh. I was going to ask a song that Oh, one. it's that In Your Eyes song? That's what I'm singing in it to. This might be a different song, though. In Your Eyes. Oh, no. I have to look this up now. Oh, oh, oh. Because Brian tweeted at us and said, Meg's going to have to describe this reference to the Padron. Oh. So I assumed you knew what it was. Oh, do I not know this reference? And it will be really funny if Danny and I actually recognize the song, but you didn't. I'm going to get called out, I bet. I'm going to get called out. That's not how you do things on a MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if this helps at all, he also tweeted it with a gif from that movie where John Cusack is holding a boombox over his head. I've never yes, seen it. Yes, it's movie. Peter Gabriel in your eyes. Okay, so Dan- Danny and I were right. So, Brian, congratulations. Danny and I understood your reference, but Meg did not. Oh, I, oh no, I know what he's talking about. Yes, Team not D. This- oh, oh, now you, now you do. Yeah, now, no, now, not now with the song. you. Now that we no, told you. No, it's talking. not the song. It's the similar situation that happens in another book. Oh, is this like some insidery spoiler shit? Where yeah. Brian's like, oh, Meg, you can tell him, but you can't really tell him. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Well, that's crappy. You get <laughs> a glistening Borgola, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I love wow. <laughs> Jim <Jane laughs> said... Jay said, I tried to determine whether or not the person was slender and what color his eyes were, but I wasn't sure where the fancy hat and cape ended and where the person began. <laughs> of course. Such a perfect <laughs> very Jay. response. It's a very Jay response. I love it. Nancy said, finally someone shorter than me, although my eyes are greener than hers. I love it. Fair. Raising Fangirl said, Corn would describe me as a glistening, good-looking, and slender wingman team. My wife is always with me with a sweet ride with a back seat that has plenty of room. That will be attractive to her. 
when I remember to take out the kids' seats. Oh. Swara said, Corin, in his orient- orientalist stupidity, would call me a caramel delectable from the Middle Eastern desert. Kurdistan's not a desert. And would say, my brown eyes are so beautiful, he'd do anything for me. I'd tell him to shave his head on the hollow net, and he would do it. I hate. I hate you, Swara. Wow. <laughs> also, Swara, there's no Middle East in space. <laughs> oh, no, girl. <laughs> also, Swara, you assume that Corrin has any sense of self-awareness. Yeah. <laughs> to hear any sort of criticism and be like, oh, yeah, now I'll shave my head. Great. <laughs> no. Although, I will say I admire your commitment to the bit. With the bald thing. I hate it. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> <sighs> Next up, we have Dinner Leader, who said, Well, I'm kind of slender, so that would feature, but I'm a little old for Corin. Girl, you're like 24. And <laughs> my height would intimidate him, so I bet he How wouldn't notice me much. That's a good question. How old is too old for Corin? How old is Corin? 19. Corrin, 19 is too old for Corin? I'm going to say 23. He's not 24. Wait, so I'm too old for Corin now? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you made it. You made it. <laughs> Finally. Congrat. Welcome to the Corin-free zone. <laughs> Good to have you. Meg, Meg, what would you, what would you say is too old for Corin? I would say 27. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, he really goes for, like, the 25, 26-year-olds. Because you're not in your early 20s, but you're also not pushing 30. All right. Here's the thing with Dinner Leader's response. He goes straight <laughs> He goes straight from, my height would intimidate him. Yeah. So I bet he wouldn't notice me much. Corin would absolutely notice someone who intimidates him is the thing. And then he'd want to fight. Corin is a very insecure man. Oh my god, he's like one of those dogs that just has to fight. So everything. if someone intimidates him, that's the first person he's going to notice in a room. He's going to fight. Dinner Leader also said, I bet he'd manage to find some gross food-related imagery for my eyes, though. Two drops of chopped chocolate. <laughs> god damn it. I don't know. I gotta say, I find Dinner Leader's response to be entirely unremarkable, and I have nothing positive or negative to say about it. Yeah, I have absolutely no opinion. I, f- I find it really I ironic for someone who goes by the name of Dinner Leader to chastise someone for food-related imagery, is yeah. all. That's fair. Fair, fair, yeah. Not to give any other reason to drink. So um, what's what's worse than a glistening boar gullet? <laughs> Just like... <laughs> A regular Borgullet. <laughs> like a like a glistening attack of the clones Anakin. Like oh. just a glistening <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Dinner leader, you have won a glistening attack of the clones Anakin. Congratulations. <laughs> it's our first it's our first ever non it's that's like the Razzies. <laughs> it's, it's it has a button on the back that when you press it, it's like a poor audio recording of a terrible pickup line. When when you press the button, it just goes straight to that scene where he's thrashing in bed having a nightmare about his mom. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. There are so many other really good lines you could use. Like what? 
Like you're in my very soul tormenting me. Like I hate sand. Or I wish I could just wish away my feelings. Okay, but those are all like those are like the cliche bad Anakin lines. Like we won't, we need to like carve oh, out Anakin our own was. space. Yeah. Then if we were gonna do that, we wouldn't go for Attack of the Clones, Anakin. We'd go for like no, we would Revenge of the Sith Watto or something. But we would do like an unexpected thing with it. Uh. Anyway, congratulations, dinner leader, on your non-achievement. Greg said. <laughs> A round-faced man whose physique reflected his sedentary lifestyle, but whose ready smile hid the light of intelligence in his muddy green eyes. I then called out Greg because his <laughs> profile photo on Twitter is of a dolphin. And I said, honey, that is not how Corn would describe a dolphin. <laughs> to which Greg responded, a bottled-nosed dolphin whose sleek physique belied his obviously sedentary nature with a clear eccentricity evident in the admittedly classy sunglasses that totally failed to cover his small, muddy green eyes. I like how he gets like so elaborate and descriptive, but at the top just doesn't waste any time and just goes, a bottle-nosed dolphin. A bottle, I like it. <laughs> it's a dolphin. Like, it's, it's a dolphin. Listen, <laughs> like, I'm there a, are many types of dolphins. A, it's a mammal that's grayish with like a long nose and yeah okay that is a bottlenose doll <laughs> finally tom the fanboy <laughs> what are you laughing at what have you ever Can actually you seen a dolphin to... before <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like long and gray i think it's wet a long nose like there's a there's a hole in its head <laughs> There's more than a nose happening there. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That was a pathetic dolphin sound, I'm just going to say. Okay. Come on, Saf. Show us how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Catch doing a dolphin noise. <laughs> yeah. It does. Like, of of Look, course, of course usually... Saf can do a perfect dolphin. Like, <laughs> Who, who among us is surprised that, like, oh, Saf is a dolphin and It's just one, one more example of why the New Zealand education system is superior to the American. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I promise you none of my friends learned that. She can do a dolphin. She can do a horse. What's next? A cow. Do it. I, uh... Do it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that I'm was, sorry, I haven't heard a cow was, in a while. That was, that was just you... Trying to decide to do a cow while kind of doing a cow. That was not. Yeah, that was. A cow. That was it. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, let's keep going. I have twenty one percent better. Tom, <laughs> Tom the fanboy said, "When I am around, Corn would always think about how my blue eyes sparkle with laughter, and my red beard billows like a bespin cloud, and how I am able to successfully find old Twitter posts like someone who isn't Heath." Hashtag Salt Pauldron. <laughs> Wow. That sounds like a very specific call out. Yeah, I award a glistening boar gullet to Tom the fanboy. <laughs> wow, you're getting a lot of extra. Yeah, we, we, where are you getting all these boar gullets from? Because we did not produce that many for this week. We haven't given any out in a while. We have some back in the same It's true. We, we, have, we have some excess in storage to give out. Um, so, congrats to. Tom the fanboy on your board gullet. Congrats to Dinner Leader on your Attack of the Clones Anakin. 
Just we thrashing around in his bed, having a nightmare about his mom. Does anyone else have any awards to give out? I like <laughs> being woman's one just because people pleasing brown is just such a good. It's really good. Yeah. One glistening body with people pleasing brown eyes. I'd like to give a glistening body to Jay as always. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I don't know. What? Jay was very self-serving in his response this time. Oh, no, we should definitely give one to Greg. Yes, how how but, dare you be self-serving when the question is describe that's, yourself. That's fair, that's fair. <laughs> okay, Greg, Greg should get something too for his dolphin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> What is with this week's question? And Danny, Danny should get a glistening body for his fried chicken response. <laughs> you mean Culver should get a glistening body for their fried chicken <laughs> Congratulations to Culver on serving fried chicken and getting a glistening fried chicken. No, they serve chicken that is fried. They don't serve fried chicken. Danny, those are literally the same exact thing. Stop it. (laughs) Anyway, this week's question. Oh, I'm so, oh. Why? Why? Because we have nothing to actually discuss about this book. So we're just going to go with this. Oh, listeners, you are in for a treat next week <laughs> when we record Rogue Padron. Oh, and we're all going to take a week on this, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do okay, I, great. Do I call it a suggestion or do I just do? Oh, you you don't. Yeah, you, you have to plead the fifth on this, I think. <laughs> yeah. This week's question. I can't, I can't even read this. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I add some caveats here? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Danny was the one who wrote it. What was the one she made tonight? Dolphin. Dolphin. All right. All right. We're good. We're good. All right. I, this is the best question we've ever done. This week's question. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can do it, Heath. We believe in you. Heath, come on. I don't believe in myself. What animal sound would you like Saf to make on the next episode? <laughs> Not a horse or a dolphin, because we've already heard those <laughs> on this podcast, so we're not going to do repeats. But, I mean, we can never hear them enough. It's so true. But also, don't make that your response, because you'll get a glistening Anakin in Attack of the Clones, because <laughs> we told you not to do it. <laughs> I'm going to actually keep an eye on the Rogue Pod dimension this time, so I can, like, practice. No. No? no. Okay. Oh, yeah. No practice. Yep. This Zero practice. You don't have to do any research beforehand. Saf, Saf, you have just been enrolled in an improv class. Surprise. <laughs> this should be Yay. done. With, so, like, a long time ago, um, the comic artist Noel Stevenson um, used to do, like, Pokemon sketches based on just descriptions that people gave oh, yeah. her. She had never seen Pokemon before. And so, like, usually what she made was just ridiculous and wonderful. So I want Saf to make these noises without, like, listening and practicing yeah. them. <laughs> because so, it would be wonderful. So, yeah, feel free to, like, put in fictional animals here. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. It, like, the, like the Balrog from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> put that in here and Saf oh. is going to do her best Balrog. <laughs> Um, if you are doing a fictional animal, put a description because we might not know. A, a, de- a description yeah, or like fan those, art or f- like official art. Something yeah. to give us the vibe. You can't, you can't just give us a name and be like, this is a thingamajig, make a sound, because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 
Because if you do that, I will just be like those algorithmic AI. If, if, if you do that, Seth is just going to do her horse noise if you do that. I will actually. And we've all heard that, and it's great, but we want something new out of it. Yeah. All right, listeners, hit us up on Twitter at Rogue Podron with your requests for me. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Email us at roguepodron at gmail.com. Subscribe to us via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes or the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, or Google Play. And leave us a nice rating and a nice review on Rogue Pod, and we will read out your review uh, and not make fun of you much, I promise. Yeah. Should I say that? Oh, I know what to do. So next time, but next time will actually be in two weeks because in the meantime, we will all be in the same room together. You might get a surprise. You might not. Depends on how much we've been drinking. (laughs) But so in two weeks. So much depends on that. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry. In two weeks, we'll be doing I, Jedi, chapters 14 through 20. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew, 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 Mine, 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 mine. I want someone to do like a dumpster remix of that. Of the seagulls of Funny Nemo. Of this, no, of this whole like. Of just every outro that we've ever done. Absolutely. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven. Signing off. Rogue 3 signing off. And then. Danny, your mug is so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this is. This is. So, this is a mug that has both Anakin, Padme, and Mace Windu. Oh, there's Count Dooku up there. But also um, Luke oh, and Leia Luke. and Hans. It's literally every character from the original. Oh my god. Is both. Does that mug have both Padme and Natalie Portman Darth Vader on it? It's got Darth Vader and Natalie Portman. Is is Natalie Portman on that mug twice? No, just once. But she's playing the role of Padme (laughs) on the mug. So that's not the Natalie Portman Darth Vader. No. It's the regular Darth Vader. No, this is Padme. What's the point? But which Darth Vader is it? Oh, that's Darth Vader. But is it the Natalie Portman Darth Vader? No, that's that's neither. That's just his helmet. There's not real people in here. This is just art. (laughs) So that's just a picture oh, of art. Oh, oh, honey, oh honey, that, honey, that is not art. <laughs> <laughs>